I'd like to say a huge thanks to Absolute Collagen for supporting this episode of Grazia Beauty Life Lessons. Did you know that Absolute Collagen is the most concentrated liquid marine collagen on the market and can help you feel your absolute best every day? People who regularly take the sachets notice an improvement in skin hydration, their hair looks glossier, they have stronger nails, and they feel less tired and fatigued. With feedback like that, what is not to love? Hello and welcome to this episode of Grazia Beauty Life Lessons. I'm Jolie Walker, Grazia's Head of Beauty, and in this podcast, beauty experts, influencers, and celebrities share their five best beauty and well-being tips. From makeup to hair care, skincare to self-care, we get all of the top tips, stellar advice, and inspiring stories too. Subscribe now so you don't miss a thing. So today's guest is Nadine Baggett, a digital creator who promises her audience beauty without the BS. Nadine shares her skincare that she will always invest in. Vitamin C I like to spend money on, although you don't necessarily. Vitamin A I do. Everything else, cleansers, moisturizers, acid lotions, SPS, can all be done on the high street nowadays. Gives us her top hair care tips. If you've got anything going on with your hair in terms of thinning hair or hair loss, don't mess around and try and get a blood test. And the treatments that she loves. It's a first line for forehead lines, for frown lines, for smile lines. So here she is. Hello and welcome, Nadine. How are you on this ridiculously hot day? I'm melting slightly, but I'm looking forward to chatting to you. Yeah, me too. And huge, huge thank you for coming on the podcast. I cannot wait to get stuck into all of your best beauty advice because I no doubt that you have tons and like thousands of products. Uh, But before I do that, I wanted to talk about your kind of approach to beauty in general. So you are known for serving up kind of beauty advice without the BS. That's like your thing. So a no fuss, no fluff uh, approach to just kind of hunting out products that do what they say on the tin and just really work. Um, so how did that kind of, you know, how did that come to be your thing? Did you think it was missing from the industry? How did it kind of come to be? I think it was an interesting journey for me because uh, I've only ever really worked on fairly I would say mass market, but let's let's polish that up and say large circulation titles. So I've never really worked for the really big glossy. So, you know, I've never had the dream job on Vogue or Elle or Harper's or anything like that. So I think I've always had a direct link through to the average woman, I would say. And that's through either working on the Daily Mail or working for Hello Magazine or doing television for years and being on This Morning. So if you're plugged into the average consumer, you realize actually that a lot of beauty is sort of created in a bubble. And I guess my aim was to burst that bubble and to try. I mean, bearing in mind, I started at a time before Grazia existed. And Grazia was the cool magazine that had its finger on the pulse And before that existed, it was sort of a bit middle market. There's middle market magazines. No shame on those. I've worked for them as well. And as I said, for years, I worked for the Daily Mail. And then Grazia came along and was like the cooler, younger sister. But they were the first magazines to have their fingers on the pulse of the average consumer. And we have to remember that the average consumer doesn't get to fly first class around the world and buy expensive, you know, skincare that costs thousands of pounds. I I clearly remember the first time a moisturizer was launched at, I think it was launched at 120 pounds. And I remember there was not a beauty editor around that was not horrified that that much money was being sort of labeled to a product. And now we just think, oh, what's a hundred pounds on a cream? It's like, you know, just walk around Space NK, which I love by the way. But I guess 
if you're plugged into the average person, you realize that most people don't have that money. And then I went on this journey of thinking, okay, so if people don't have lots of money to spend on products, let's find the products that really work and really deliver. That is worth the investment. So if you are going to spend a little bit more money, just knowing that it's, you know, going to do what it says. Yeah. And that's not to say that everything I use is super high street. I mean, you know, we'll go on to chat about the the steps in skincare that I think are worth spending the money on, because I do think there are. And I think there are some great hair care products that are worth spending your money on. And I've got some of my favorite fragrances out here. And there is an one budget product there. I've just looked. So, so, so it's about working where you spend your money and where you save your money, I think. And do you think that it's also about kind of streamlining? Like, is your approach quite streamlined, but you'll invest in certain pieces? Or do you just love to try everything? Obviously, you have to for work anyway, but your kind of day to day, is it fairly streamlined, you would say? Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, it's my job to test everything. But I think generally my skincare approach and my hair care approach, if I need to get it under three or four steps. And with makeup, I'm so lazy. Every so often I look in the mirror and go, God, who is that woman with too much blush on and who hasn't blended her foundation or something? But I'm that five minutes and get out the door person. I'm not generally not, my friends will laugh at this, but I'm not a high maintenance person. Five minutes out the door. Yeah, yeah. Notice the blush Absolutely. later. I know, I know. <laughs> Love it. She said rubbing it in on Zoom as we speak. <laughs> um, well, I've known you for a while and I've never seen you with, a, with too much blusher. But okay, let's jump into your five pieces of advice then. And let's kick things off with, yeah, skincare. So we've already been talking about it. Tell me what is your best piece of skincare advice? So my advice for skincare is learn where to spend and learn where to save. So for me, the money should be spent on the active ingredients that work. So for me, it's a vitamin C every morning and a vitamin A at night. So vitamin C is an antioxidant. It protects your skin. If you can get into using it every single day, that's brilliant. It protects your skin against pollution. We all live and work in busy cities nowadays. And it also boosts your SPF. And at night, a retinol is key. And actually a retinol, although I am the sort of, you know, menopausal typical woman that most people think would use a retinol, actually retinols work to rebalance the way your skin works so it can help with overproduction of sebum, so it can help young people with breakouts or older people with breakouts, it can help pigmentation, it can help slow skin cell turnover, pore size, everything. It's basically the gold standard. So if I'm going to splurge, I'll splurge on a vitamin C in the morning and then a vitamin A at night, and then everything else can be budget. And genuinely, Jolie, we could not have been having this conversation 10 years ago But high street skincare is so amazing, mainly due to the revolution of something called The Ordinary and Brandu Truax, this founder who came along and just he'd worked behind the scenes at Estee Lauder and he'd seen the markup on some products. And he just thought, I'm going to just kind of launch a range that's all actives, no mess, no fuss. And so all the other companies had to kind of step up their game. So then you get companies like the Inculist and L'Oreal Paris and Garnier and all these amazing brands coming along producing really great affordable skincare that everybody can just get on the high street. So vitamin C, I like to spend money on, although you don't necessarily. Vitamin A, I do. Everything else, cleansers, moisturizers, acid lotions, SPFs can all be done on the high street nowadays. And they are your two areas. I love that though, picking that key thing where you want to invest, but you know that that's going to get results. Like you are guaranteed if you are not using those things in your routine and you add them in, that you're going to get results. I think everything else, I would describe the rest of skincare as being like a really good, affordable 
cotton bra and knickers set. And then you you maybe and you maybe spend a little bit money on a dress, but actually you spend all your money on your shoes and your bag to get away with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it can be the same. <laughs> I think it can be the same for hair care as well. I think, you know, you can you can spend a lot of money on a really good reparative mask or a really great salon treatment, but your shampoos and conditioners, you can kind of save your money on really. On your day to day. And like you say, so many high street brands are so amazing. Like when you go into Boots and you can shop a L'Oreal Paris and you know that the labs that they are coming from supply to so many other brands, like they are having innovation first. Um, so that is, I think, a really exciting thing about what's on the high street at the moment, that just kind of variety, but really impressive brands. Honestly, I mean, I mean I've been a beauty editor for 30 years now. You've been, you must have been a beauty editor, despite the fact that you've not aged a day I've known you. You've probably been a beauty editor for, what, 15 years? Yeah. So there has been a complete revolution, and you've witnessed it firsthand. You've gone from having this disparity between what you could get in boots and what you could get in Superdrug. And now you go into a really great boots or you go into a really great Superdrug and you think there truly has been a revolution in beauty and in makeup as well. And makeup isn't my my forte, my isn't my specialist area at all. But I think, you know, whether you, you know, you're on with the dupes or stuff like that, that idea of buying from a really big corporation like L'Oreal or Estee Lauder and realizing that they supply to all these other brands. So I remember the first time I had this conversation when I was the beauty presenter on this morning. And I remember saying to the presenters, actually, if you're really smart, you'll go away and you'll Google the big beauty corporations. And what you'll end up with is this Venn diagram. Do you remember when you were back doing your sort of GCAC maths and you'll get a big bubble that says L'Oreal and a big bubble that says Unilever and a big bubble that says Estee Lauder. And then within that, you'll see all the individual brands, big ones saying LVMH. And you just can see all these massive Venn diagrams. And if you think that those companies don't source the same active ingredients, create the same products, and then trickle down that technology, you're crazy. You might have to wait a couple of years to get that incredible Lancome new mascara brush available at Garnier, but it will happen, I promise you. And that was just such an eye-opener for me as a beauty editor, the first time I sort of lifted the lid and I sort of saw beyond the velvet rope because I came as an, in as an outsider, truly enamored by everything to do with magazines and beauty. And the first time I ever sort of saw behind the velvet rope and was in the sort of VIP area, I just thought, I just have to tell everybody about this. And there's no shame in anybody's game. I mean, you know, if you can afford to spend money on skincare, go. But if, you're, if you want to know what works and what doesn't and you want to know what to spend your money on and what to save your money on, that's my that's my aim at the end of the game of being a journalist. Absolutely. And in terms of the formulas that you said there, so you're investing in, any particular products that you would invest in for vitamin C that you're loving at the minute? Any for retinol? I mean, I've always been a SkinCeutical CE Frulic girl. And I think, and genuinely, I've used it for 15 years. And I'm the generation that spent far too much time in the sun during the sort of 1970s and 80s, and even as a beauty editor in the 90s. I bumped into another beauty editor the other day who never, ever went in the sun. And I saw her and I was like, her skin was so perfect. I was like, I love the fact that her skin was so perfect. But my God, I've had some fun getting those tans. I can't tell you. Uh, but yes, so vitamin C, C ferulic. The only reason I don't have pigmentation issues genuinely is because I've probably used it since it launched, which is 10 years ago. It's a lot of money. And at one point, it was the only technology out there that was 15% vitamin C with vitamin E and ferulic acid. So I used it morning and night. I love it. But there are some amazing budget versions out there if you are on a budget now. 
Again, the same group. So look at Vichy, look at Garnier, look at L'Oreal Paris. And then for retinol, and I pretty much have used retinol since it first launched, probably available to the public 15 years ago. So I love the Paula's Choice 1%, but I also love the number seven and the Olay products if you're available on the high street. Number seven have just launched the first high street 1% retinol, which is pretty much a gold standard. But I also use the next metabolic pathway, which is retinaldehyde. So that's what your skincare converts it to. And I love the Medicaid products. And then from that metabolic pathway, the next step would be from those amazing companies like Dermatica and Skin and Me, where you have access to, if you're not listening to this in the UK, this will be an anathema to you. If you're listening to this in the States and you're thinking, what do you mean you don't have a dermatologist? The average British person does not have access to a dermatologist. So we have these incredible online services where you can meet a dermatologist on Zoom and get a prescription. And then you would go to retinoic acid, which is the prescription strength. Although I've never actually stuck with it because I just can't bear the peeling. Uh, And I have to spend so much of my life on camera. Well, you don't need it. Your skin's amazing at your age. But I have seen incredible results on people with melasma and acne scars and pigmentation issues and really bad sun damage. I mean, I've seen amazing befores and afters. But do you know only 0.2% of the British population can get access to a dermatologist? 0.2%. Yeah. Dr. Emma Wedgworth told me that and it blew my mind. So let's go on to hair care then. Number two, what is your best piece of hair care advice? My best piece of hair care advice is if you've got anything going on with your hair in terms of thinning hair or hair loss, because I have been through this journey fairly recently, don't mess around and try and get a blood test. So I was, it's very interesting, actually. So this happened during lockdown was um, I noticed over the last sort of three years, my hair was starting to break off and getting quite fine. Again, I spoke to a trichologist that said to me, do you know if by the time you notice that your hair's thinning or breaking off or you're beginning to see a thicker parting line or a you know breakage or a fine hair a sort of an area where your hair is thinning and, and fine and breaking off or maybe even balding you actually have already lost 30% of your hair before your eye will even notice it and i think i put up with it and i put up with it and i put up with it and then i ended up going to see uh, lisa cadia trichologist at philip kingsley but there are you know, you don't have to go to Philip Kingsley. There are so many local trichologies, trichologists are available and dermatologists if you can get in and get a blood test. And I was diagnosed with chronic B9, B12 deficiency because I don't eat red meat. And that would only have come up in a blood test. And I had to have six B12 injections and take B9 supplementation. And and within three months, my hair had started to grow up, grow back. And I would never have known that. I would never have gone to my GP and said, help, I can't grow my fringe out. Why is my hair breaking off? Because you think they've got better things to do. So I'm anti-blind supplementation in the sense that I don't really take the whole idea of taking a supplement for thinning hair if you don't know your underlying problem. But if you can get to the base of your underlying problem, I am now on supplements probably for the rest of my life. So it's it's really interesting. And again, I love a high street hero shampoo or conditioner. I love um, the Aviv range. I love the Pantene products. I love the Dove products. But when it comes to protecting my hair and repairing the bonds, I'm such an Olaplex fan and I'm such a Kerafix Nexus fan and I'm such a K18 fan and I will splash my cash on anything that enables me if you could see, if anybody's watching this ever on Zoom, if you could see my damaged hair and then Jolie's hair, 
literally, I mean, I would take anything to have Jolie's hair, that long, gorgeous, blonde, fabulous conditioned hair that I had when I was younger. Anyway, the important thing was I realized I had an underlying problem and then I sorted out the underlying problem. And we will be right back after this little aside on our series partner, Absolute Collagen. With tons of benefit, it is no wonder thousands of people swear by this award-winning liquid formula. Did you know that our natural collagen bank starts to decline from about the age of 25, which can lead to hair thinning and more prominent fine lines? Absolute Collagen offers a natural way to boost your own body's production of collagen, helping to support and maintain you from top to toe including skin hydration, glossier hair, and stronger nails. All the ways you can take it, liquid collagen is known as the best way for our bodies to absorb collagen. We can absorb an amazing 90 to 95% of each sachet, which is far superior to collagen pills and is 100% natural. Just another reason why it's such a popular addition to so many people's beauty regimes. Let's go on to number three then and talk about treatments. What is your best piece of advice when it comes to treatments? Well, another thing that's happened in the times that I've been a beauty editor, there has genuinely been a revolution in treatments as well, because in the 30 years that I've been a beauty editor, Botox was created, let's be honest here. So when I was first a beauty editor in the early 90s, I remember some of the first beauty editors having it and trialing it, who would have been my generation of beauty editors. So people now who are in their their 50s. And, um, and I just remember thinking, oh, that's oh, that's a bit risky. What's that about? And then I remember clearly as anything, the first day, night, I had Botox, evening, I had Botox. And then about four days later thinking, this stuff's brilliant. Oh my God. And I remember having a doctor on to do Botox on one of the listeners, viewers of this morning and me being really smug and saying, I think I probably would have been about 38. I'm going, I'll never need that. I don't frown. And he said, no, but you raise your eyebrows a lot, Nadine. So trust me, when the time comes. I was about 43, 44 when I first had it. But I genuinely think that it gets bad press and it shouldn't get bad press just because it is this neurotoxin. It's an incredible, incredible treatment. It's a first line for forehead lines, for frown lines, for smile lines. It can be used to treat neck bands. I just do think it it was the game changer in terms of treatments. Because before that, we had sort of, you know, a little bit of micro needling or maybe a facial with a bit of micro current. So I was at the beginning of that as well. And then to watch those treatments come in, that sort of tweakment area. So now we have fillers and we see that amazing befores and afters when you go onto Instagram and you look at sort of, I follow some of those amazing accounts of before and after celebrities and they'll get somebody in their 20s and then somebody in their 40s and And just genuinely, you would not have somebody like Jennifer Aniston or Jennifer Lopez aging the way they have, which is so beautifully and so elegantly with those little tweakments every now and then. I would have to say, though, as a word of warning, as a caveat, is is they they overpromise and underdeliver a lot of the times. A lot of the times the effects are very, very, very subtle. So if you're expecting sort of I don't know, to have some new facial or new radio frequency and lift a sagging jowl or anything like that. I'm not so sure about that. There comes a point where at some point, if you're a famous person and you're sort of in your 60s, you can pretty much guarantee they've had a facelift. But those early tweakments in your 40s can be incredible. And I wouldn't say that they they can reverse so much as almost stop the clock. So if you look at those generation of women in their 
late 40s and early 50s. They just look incredible. I mean, immaculately done. And I, because I worked at Hello for so many years, and I used to interview them, and they all said they had no work done, and it was all just, you know, lots of water and whatever. And I used to sit there going, yeah, right, looking at their faces. But even so, even though they deny it, my God, it's good work. I find all of that really fascinating. I also think, though, how the conversation around treatments has changed so much in the past few years. And maybe it's that celebrities are being more open about the treatments that they've had. Even like when Mark Jacobs had a facelift and documented the whole thing on Instagram and everyone was kind of applauding for the transparency. On the flip side, when a like a celebrity will say, I only use you know, one cream, one moisturizer or olive oil. Olive oil. I knew yeah. you were going to say olive oil because you and I have interviewed the same celebrities. I think it might be a generational thing. I hold out a lot of hope for your generation and younger because I think there has been a whole generation of people who are much more transparent. There still appears to be a little bit of shame around my generation. So you have the sort of Madonnas who basically just go through these amazing facial transformations and never talk about it. I find that all very interesting. But again, coming back to that transparency, I feel like something kind of the conversation around Botox for a lot of time has been like, oh, her skin looks amazing. Oh, yeah, but she's had Botox. Like it's something to be ashamed of or as in like someone is cheating when they're choosing to do what they want with their own face and how they would like to look. And people say, oh, yeah, but they've they've had some so and so done. Um, And I think it's interesting now how the transparency around that has kind of brought new conversations I think it's really interesting I do think it's a generational thing and good on your generation for being much more honest and open about it celebrities my age tend to say things like oh I tried Botox once and it wasn't for me Um, but obviously then their faces don't move and you know they've had Botox done what's interesting for me is and I get it with my followers if I ever talk about the tweakments I've had done genuinely I do not have filler it doesn't really suit me I've got quite a big face anyway and I have had filler in the past and had it dissolved. But when I have my Botox, people say, well, you're cheating because you say that skincare works. And I always say, well, skincare works on your skin. Botox actually works on the muscle contraction. So it actually stops the expression lines, the deep expression lines. But all the Botox in the world and all the filler in the world is not actually going to improve the quality of your skin. If you think of skincare as being like investing in a really good duvet cover, and duvet. But I reckon Botox and fillers are all about having a good mattress. So you only really see the the duvet cover and the duvet, but actually tweakments work on a much deeper level. So they do work on plumping up a slim face or softening expression lines and things like that. I think on Instagram as well, people, you know, love following you for your no BS approach. And they want to know, people want to know about treatments from someone who has had them um, you know, rather than just continuously, yeah, reading those olive oil stories. So it's interesting, isn't it? I, I think what, I think the important thing is never to judge anybody for anything they do. I genuinely do not judge anybody. I mean, I think Madonna's amazing and she's obviously had lots of work done. And no judgment, it's her body, she can do whatever she wants. What I dislike is the disingenuous nature of denying it afterwards because I think that's disempowering to women. I think yeah, that's for me, the thing, isn't it? Yeah. I'm a diehard feminist. I believe no judgment, I believe. But to say that you don't have work done when you've had work done, and then maybe, for example, I might take an ad from a skincare company or something like that, or being on Instagram and YouTube, or a celebrity might front up a brand or create their own range. 
that to me is disingenuous. That to me is lying to other women and that's unforgivable. Let's go on to number four then. Talk about fragrance. What is your best piece of fragrance advice? My best piece of fragrance advice is, um, and I'm, I'm looking to see, I've got my fragrances in front of me, but God, I am a, such a sucker for an expensive, slightly weird fragrance. I would call myself a fragrance freak. And I think it's to do with my first ever job on a magazine. I was, I left university. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I started at a temping agency and I lumber, got lumped, somehow lumped into a magazine. And I was in the advertising department. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I remember looking over those sort of little partitions, thinking that's a really glamorous department. What's going on there? And it was the editorial department. And my first ever deputy editor used to wear Clinique Aromatic Elixir, which is such an 80s, 70s Studio 54 Vavo in fragrance. And she was just the most glamorous, gorgeous woman I'd ever laid eyes on. And I just basically, I was like 22 and like dressing from warehouse and she was just the epitome of cool. And I just thought I want to be that woman. And to this day on my desk here now, I've got aromatic elixir. There's not much left in the bottom of the bottle. And every so often I'll pick it up and smell it. It's not something I would wear, but for me, that connotation between fragrance and memory and fragrance and mood, it, to me, it's just the epitome of cool. And so most of the fragrances I've got on my desk probably were introduced to me by somebody I really admire but they are all a little bit weird. Like I really love like an incense or an oud or a moss or a woody green fragrance. I don't really like florals at all. I quite like, I quite like when you smell somebody. So perfect case in point here, Portrait of a Lady by Frederick Mal is one of my favorite fragrances. And it's the fragrance that if you wear it, will get you stopped in the street and somebody will just go, God, you smell incredible. Um, Things like, uh, but then by the same token, I love Molecule and the eccentric Molecule 01 fragrances by Gazer Schoen, who said that he didn't see that why anybody would want to smell like a flower. They should all smell like sexy, cool down woods, which I quite like as well. So most of my fragrances are quite unique and strange, but I'm looking at them now. They're all so expensive, but I do love an expensive fragrance. But, I mean, I can say this but. about anything that I want in life, if I like justify it as like cost per use. You get yes. a lot of use out of your fragrance. And I agree. You said like scenting for your mood. Fragrance can totally impact my mood. It can be <clears throat> like I had a, a comforting fragrance I wore all throughout lockdown and it was comforting. I wasn't going out. I didn't leave the house, but it was for me. And I wholeheartedly believe in that kind of fragrance for your mood. For me, I love a citrus zingy fragrance during the day, which can be quite light and quite uplifting and kind of get you energized and then at night I like what's known as a nuzzle fragrance so I don't particularly want a really strong fragrance like I don't want to smell somebody across the room but if they get close to me and they sort of air kiss me or something like that or give me a hug I want to leave a lasting impression and so yes so some of my fragrances there I mean have you smelled uh Yves Saint Laurent tuxedo it's incredible it's one of their limited edition special ones and I love it and I also love the Roland Marais Unamaret orange I think it's called and I think that's partly because I love Roland Murray clothes as well I mean that he's just one of my favorite designers and I love that fragrance um portrait of a lady and then I've got fragrances that just remind me of people so I've got the parfum comme de garçon incense avignon as well which was a really good friend of mine who's sadly not with us anymore used to wear and I just keep it every so often and then I just smell it because it reminds me of him and I just think there's nothing apart from music there's nothing that so quickly hits your limbic system and can take you back to a first kiss or a 
a boss that was the coolest thing ever or a long lost friend or a partner or they the, the first time you went to a nightclub or the first time you went to Ibiza or it's just incredible because you essentially smell with the outside of your brain. And I also remember the first time I ever won an award for my journalism was we have this fragrance award, which nobody outside of the industry would ever know about. And I remember I was on Marie Claire Health and Beauty as a freelancer and I was up against all the really big magazines and I won. And I remember not wearing a really tatty outfit just straight from work and scraping my head back thinking, I'm never going to win in a million years. I'll never win against Harper's or Vogue or whatever. And winning this this um, Fifi, this fragrance award, um, Jasmine Award. And I remember getting it and just thinking, oh, wow, people think I can write as well. It's very interesting to write about fragrance if it's done well. I think it's um, it's just, it's that, that area of beauty meets psychology, which is fascinating. It really is. And the link between memory, which is just it's so strong, like to the point as if you walk in a room and you just get a whiff of something, it can totally take you back. And I think that's, yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, that, that first snog, school disco. Do you know what I mean? That sort of, like I said, it's just incredible. And it's all of those big moments as well. Yeah, like weddings. Yeah, exactly. New babies, the smell of a baby. I mean, yeah, absolutely. The smell of a grandmother, somebody who's super glamorous and wonderful. Like I said, my first boss used to wear aromatic elixir. And to this day, I smell it. And I can just picture her in these incredible Levi 501s and this cool leopard print shirt just running around town getting all the exclusives. I just thought, when I grow up, I want to be her. That is cool. Yeah, that's cool. That's my dream outfit now. Still, maybe yeah, not to today because it's quite hot. Okay, brilliant. Let's go on to your fifth piece of advice on body care then. So my advice for body care is, uh, and I do love, as I said, I've just talked about fragrance and I do love to splash the cash on fragrance. But my advice on body care is we should all be as demanding of our body care as we are of our skincare. And I think for a lot of the people, it's about sort of just slapping on something that smells nice and hoping for the best. But if you've got problems with your body skin, you should demand more of your body care. So just as I will demand really good levels of actives in my facial skincare, I think we should start demanding them in our body care as well. And again, there aren't that many products out there that deliver. And most of them tend to be about pampering and baths and wonderful. And I love all that. You know, I love a scented bath and I love candles around the baths and, you know, a nice gritty body scrub. But if you've got a problem body skin for whatever reason, whether you've got dry skin or you've got flaky skin or you've got keratosis pilaris, those little red bumps on the backs of your arms that loads of people get, or if you've got body breakouts and back knee and chest breakouts and stuff like that, or if you've got dry skin on your feet, you need to essentially be as demanding of your body care as you are of your face care. So I think the next revolution in body care to hit the high street, fingers crossed, will be that you'll have those levels of glycolic acid, retinol, vitamin C in body care as you do in face care. Because there are some brands out there doing it now. I mean, Necessaire is amazing. Um, there's a range called Solution in Superdrug, and you've got brands like Ameliorate and Paula's Choice and stuff like that. But there needs to be more. We need to demand more of our body care. Because I think as Brits, we just tend to neglect our skin from the neck down. It makes total sense as well. Yeah, it does. But why why would it? Why we? not? Yeah. It's a little bit like, you know, there's been this revolution in, in scalp care and hair care. It's like, we, for some reason, we've never thought of our scalp as being skincare before. And so, but now there are all these amazing scalp products out there to exfoliate your skin and calm your scalp and all that sort of stuff. But we need to do the same with our bodies. We really do. And I think it's because as Brits, for nine and a half months of the year, we're just layered in sort of 
wool and cashmere from chin to foot. And then suddenly, you know, we're recording this on the hottest day of the year, the hottest week of the year. And, And then what happens is we suddenly get our body out and we go, oh my God, I really neglected this. I need to do something about this. And so we start with sort of things like self-tans, which can be incredible. There are amazing brands out there. I love Amanda Harrington and that revolution with applying self-tan with a brush. And you can buy those brushes and apply any self-tan. It will make it idiot-proof. And I am the idiot. I don't have the skill to, to blend all that all the time to blend that stuff out. But a really good lactic acid body lotion slept in overnight or a really good urea foot cream from a company like Eucerin. For three or four days, sleep in it overnight, put your little sort of trainer socks on, exfoliate your foot with a foot file in the shower. And, you know, you will suddenly get that soft skin you deserve because it has an active level of an exfoliating acid in. You're not just sort of layering back on the dead skin with a bit of oil. Okay. This is it. It's going to be trending. Well, do you know, it's really interesting because I can see it beginning to happen. However, having done research about this, there are so many EU regulations on the percentage of actives in body products because it's going on a much larger area of your body. They do worry about how much of an active ingredient is going to be absorbed into your skin. Obviously, it's going on your skin. It's not going into your bloodstream at all. But so the levels in body products actually are lower than they are in face products, which is why if you can get a decent, like for perfect case in point, if you've got back breakouts or chest breakouts and you, so for example, at this time of year, everybody's wearing SPF and it can clock your pores. Even if you don't suffer from back breakouts, you'll suddenly run your hand along your shoulders if you spend the day in the sun and go, God, I've got congested skin. If you go to Superdrug, you buy the Revolution 2% BHA. It comes in a really big bottle. So that's beta hydroxy acid. It's a salicylic acid. It's 2%. You can't actually get 2% in a spray-on, leave-on product in the UK now because of EU regulations. But you can just put that on your back and shoulders. It's perfect. And it's large enough that you can decant it, put it in a spray, and it works. That's the advice I like to pass on to people. There you go. Linadine. Linadine body care hack. Like it, Adine. It's a great hack. It really is. <laughs> okay. Well, let's finish our episode, as we always do. Just a light-hearted note to finish on. What is your biggest beauty blunder? Have you I've, had any? <laughs> I've had so many beauty blunders. I cannot tell you. My my biggest beauty blunder when I was younger was having a perm. And this for your generation, you'll go, why the hell did you ever have a perm? Well, if you wanted to look like Bananarama, uh, you had to have a perm. And I remember having an at-home perm at a local. I, was, I filmed with Sam at night the other day and we were laughing about it. Now, bearing in mind, my hair is actually quite textured. I don't know why I ever thought I needed a perm. But I went to a place called Curl Up and Die in Camberley. And they took out the same little rollers that they give to the little grannies. And I wanted my hair to look like Kim Wilde beats Bananarama. So I just needed a little bit of a root lift. I don't know why I could have just used a hairdryer and some gel. But, you know, there weren't many hair options in those days. Mousse didn't exist in those days. Um, And I came out with, like, literally a cauliflower on my head. And I had to grow it out. It was such a disaster. I need to I need to dig out a picture for you. I, I was about maybe to say, please, maybe please. even send it to you. It was please such a send me a picture that can accompany the podcast episode coming out. I promise. You, I love a throwback picture. It's There's not just a good so look. much joy to be had in a throwback. It's not a good look. So my advice would be to avoid perming solutions. Although I'm sure perms are much better now than they ever were 30, 40 years ago. And then actually, I have to say, even though I started, the conversation has gone full circle, even though I had so much fun and all those years lying around the pool, you know, with an SPF oil on in my 20s and 30s, 
My regret isn't actually going on holiday and doing that. My regret is not putting on an SPF every day down onto my neck and chest because I actually have worn an SPF on my face and my neck every day for the last 15 years, 20 years, but I stupidly did not take it down here. So I'm showing Jolie on Zoom here now for everybody listening. So I basically do not have any sun damage down to the bottom of my neck and then my chest is super sun damaged. Even though I was writing the features, again, I'm British. I neglected myself from the bottom of my neck to my chest. So my chest is the part of my body that is most sun damaged. And I always say to everybody nowadays, put your SPF on. Don't forget your neck and chest. Don't forget your neck and chest. And yeah, that's my only, that's my big regret. But you know, life's too short. My God, this this sun damaged skin has had some fun out there. I can't tell you. <laughs> a in lot a white of fun. string bikini in the south of France. Oh, sounds like deal. It was sounds good. like a lot of fun indeed. And also, a note to finish on: we need to stop neglecting our bodies, show our bodies a bit of love that they deserve. If you're demanding of your facial skincare, and I bet you are, because you must be an aficionado, because you're listening to this, start demanding the same of your of your body care as well. And there are some amazing brands out there, Neutrogena, Eucerin, Bioderma. They just do incredible products that are sort of a bit more French pharmacy. I do love a French pharmacy brand. Uh, Look at Necessaire, look at Ameliorate, look at Paula's Choice. And I think the more we go out and buy those products, the more demand there'll be. So we become sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. We're in control. They'll only make what we buy. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for all of your amazing advice. So much to take away from uh, the episode. And thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you for being with us on this episode of Grazia Beauty Life Lessons. If you've enjoyed listening, please tell your friends about us. And as ever with podcasts, please subscribe and give us a rating. It all really helps to spread the word. See you next time. And thanks again to Absolute Collagen for supporting this episode of Grazia Beauty Life Lessons. As the original collagen specialist, thousands of people swear by their formulas for daily skin, hair, and nail health, as well as increasing energy levels in a natural way. Head to absolutecollagen.com to discover more, try it for yourself, and become an Absoluter.